0: Today's episode is sponsored by the NBA and their quest to advance the game of basketball, grow the community, and impact culture. The league celebrates its teams, players, and fans across the past, present, and future as part of the 75th anniversary season. That's Game highlights pivotal moments on court and beyond, from iconic plays in arenas to the impact players have in communities. That's the NBA. That's game. It's like game five of the NBA finals where I was lucky enough to be there. Buck Suns in Milwaukee. I'm sitting kitty corner from Giannis Antetokounmpo as he rises up for that incredible alley-oop. Drew Holiday having stolen the ball from Devin Booker on the other side. Found Giannis in transition. Incredible stuff. That's the NBA. That's game. This is more than just basketball. It's what connects us all and keeps us coming back for more. That's the NBA. That's game.
1: Thank you
2: for having me, Joe. Hi, welcome to the podcast. I am Joe Posnansky, and with me is Michael Shore. Michael, welcome.
1: Thank you for having me, Joe.
2: You are welcome. Now look, people know that we do no preparation for this show, right? I mean, they, I mean it's Correct. not like first of all, we've told them we do no preparation for this show, but it's not like they could listen to the show and think that we had done any preparation, right? So they know.
1: If you if you didn't know that we did no preparation <laughs> for the show, and then you listen to the show, you would quickly realize/slash learn. Yeah, that
2: you would no never listen to the show and think, "I bet they spent hours working that out." No, they <laughs> they know there's no preparation. But even
1: <laughs> how long how long did they rehearse this? Is what they're yeah they're out there
2: hearing. they're like oh my gosh I mean the timing is just like
1: <laughs> it's it's balletic it's almost like a Cirque du Soleil show with it in terms of its choreography
2: even uh, by our usual standards of of no preparation I would say this show is going to set a record for the least amount of preparation would you agree.
1: Okay, so what you're referring to is the fact that I emailed you about eight, eight minutes, minutes ago, ago and said, "Hey, I can do that. I can <laughs> do this right now," and you said, "Let me check with Marissa, our producer, and then w- that now we're doing it." So th- that's what you're talking about. But I would counter-argue that actually this has been. Uh, uh, in the works for a little while longer because when Kim Ang, we're going to talk about Kim Ang today. When Kim Ang was named the, um, the general manager of the Marlins, you texted me and said, Hey, if we did a emergency podcast for Tony the Russa, which is about a sad thing, (laughs) terrible, really bad. thing, Yeah, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) We, (laughs) we ought to do one for Kim Ang, which is a good, happy, positive thing in baseball. And so, so we've been preparing to do this. For a few days now, we just haven't quite yeah, found the right time. Right. Now, it did, we we did, so it came together very quickly, but we've been sort of thinking about uh, doing this. That for is several true.
2: Days. On the Kim part. Of course, we also then said, hey, we ought to do a draft, and we came up with a draft literally eight minutes ago that neither one of us has thought about for one minute. Uh, so, you know, Correct. the rest of it will feel it. Here's what I can tell people are not going to be able to tell the difference. They're not, it's not like they're going to go, oh, no. you know, they seem less prepared than usual for this one.
1: You could cut out this entire <laughs> intro that we've been rambling on about for the last five minutes and no one would know any different. Yeah.
2: No, they would not. The, the, uh, yes, the impetus for this show is, first of all, the wonderful hiring of Kim Ng to be the new general manager of the Florida Marlins. And yes, the fact that last week or two weeks ago, I guess now, we did an emergency podcast when the Chicago White Sox just did this like sad trombone thing of hiring Tony LaRussa as as their <laughs> general manager, which by the way, got sadder amazingly.
1: Oh, it gets, sad, gets sadder <laughs> it got, every day. <laughs> it got
2: sadder after we did it because it wasn't until after the show that we realized that the White Sox had hired him knowing full well that he was, uh, arrested for, uh, another DUI, not the first in his career. Mm-hmm. And and not not just a DUI, but just sort of a sort of the ultimate, like gets the DUI, then says to the police, do you know who I am? And shows them the World Series ring and says, man, I'm a Hall of Famer, man. I'm a, I'm a real Hall of Famer. So, like, just, no,
1: listen, this is important. It's important to get this detail. Right. Yeah, let's get it. What exact. he actually said. This is according to Jeff Passan, who wrote who who got the tip about the. The actual police report, and then like wrote about it. All all credit to Jeff Passan, as usual. All credit to Jeff Passan in terms of things written about baseball. What he actually said, and I believe this is very important, and we should get it right. What he actually said was, "I'm a Hall of Famer baseball man." That's the actual sentence. I'm a Hall of Famer baseball. Didn't he say, "Now, brother,
2: I'm a Hall of Famer baseball man"? Yes, I.
1: I believe that's correct. I believe he called the police officer brother and said, I'm a Hall of Famer. Or maybe he was a Hall of Famer baseball guy. I can't remember. But the point is, if you're, it, it, sometimes it's hard when you read a transcript of an exchange between two people to tell just how intoxicated <laughs> one of them is. But if you say the words, I'm a Hall of Famer baseball guy or I'm a Hall of Famer baseball Either man. one. In, in like either one in in a, in what you're in your head is a, a classic sort of drunk guy <laughs> voice it gives you a really good indication of how drunk he actually was now listen it should be noted neither of us takes alcoholism lightly no. as, a, no. as a as a societal problem, as a disorder, as a disease. Uh, many people in my family have suffered from alcoholism, a lot of friends sure. and family, as I'm sure yours too, because it affects everyone, every family in the world. And we're not making light in any way of alcoholism. What no. we are doing is pointing out the fundamental absurdity in A, hiring a 76-year-old guy to run a team... B, hiring a 76-year-old guy to run a team that's exclusively composed of very young players. C, hiring a guy after his second <laughs> DUI a decade apart, which means means by the way he's been drinking and driving oh. a lot longer than those two times. <laughs> yeah, like that's yeah. A, I don't I don't think the cops happened to catch him the only two times he drunkenly drove. And D, h- hiring a guy to run a young team uh, comprised mainly of uh, Latino players who publicly supported SB 1070 in right. Arizona, uh, whatever it was a decade ago, which was a, a bill that basically made it legal to, uh, for police and authorities to racially profile all Hispanic people. And again, Latinos are not monolithic. There are Cuban players on the team. There are, uh, there are other p- players from all sorts of different countries on the White Sox. It's not like all Latinos are one thing. However, he basically came out and said, yeah, anyone who looks Hispanic, <laughs> Uh, pull them over and yeah. uh, arrest them. That that yeah. was his attitude. So so that so we went through that. We went through all of it a while ago and uh, and it just it makes me it still bums still so me out. Sad. Desperately bums me out. But then just when you think there no good news is going to rise up out of the world of baseball in the offseason, what happens? The Marlins hire It's it's
2: in. so wonderful and so delightful and and such a I would say it's a surprise exactly in the sense of that Kim has been a a candidate before her name is, has been named before, but I would say, wouldn't you agree that this, like there wasn't any lead up to the announcement. Like a lot of times like, Oh, this team is about to make history. They're about to do this. They're, you know, and you kind of hear rumors and whispers as far as I can tell. I mean, maybe if you were following the Marlins closely, which, you know, is four people, um, as far as I can tell, this kind of came out of nowhere, which made it, I mean, for at least for me, super duper delightful. Because it was like, it was in the middle of a day, like, we were all sort of confused about what's even happening in our country. And and there's just not a whole lot of good news, no matter what you happen to believe uh, on on social media. And then this wonderful piece of joy where baseball finally hires a woman to run a baseball organization. Uh I, I just it couldn't have been more delightful for me. It was so great.
1: Yeah, uh, several things to say about this. Obviously, um, the first is you're totally right. Uh, the 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 casualness with which it was done. Yes. I think it's very important because if you are a part of any group of people who has been overlooked, held back, denied access, any of those things, you don't want fanfare. You don't want to stand on a on a lazy Susan. Uh, and have a spotlight right. shown on you as you wave to the crowd, because the whole point of this is progress doesn't actually happen until it is not interesting or a big yes. deal to have to get the job that you're after. So the the fact that it was just like, yeah, here's our hire. Here she is. The, everybody knows her. She's been around for a long time. Uh, that was really important. And it was really well done, um, which is not a thing that you can say very often about the Miami Marlins franchise. Or baseball. Over the or last 20 yeah. years or or MLB <laughs> in general. Yes. But here's the—so here's—just to get the record, to get on the record, so she's the first woman to hold a GM job uh, on a men's team in any sport, in any major North American sport, okay? She's also the first Asian American person of any gender to have a GM job in Major League Baseball. Uh, She is also, therefore, the first— Asian American woman to hold the job. So there's all these all these dominoes are falling, right? All these glass ceilings are being shattered. But here's the, here's what's important to know about her in my mind. If I gave you her profile, and I didn't tell you who I was talking about. And I said, oh, look, she came up. Uh, this here, Here's a person, person X, I say, uh, went to the University of Chicago, one of the great universities in the world. She worked in a bunch of, for the White Sox, she was a, you know, she worked her way up. She started with like a low level, I think she was a radar gun operator. She was, you know, she just worked her way up. So uh, and oh, I'm sorry, I'm not going to I'm supposed to, not supposed to use pronouns because <laughs> I'm because I'm giving you this imaginary hypothetical right. person. So person X we're, uh, gets hired, goes to University of Chicago, gets hired, works uh, his or her way up through the uh, through the White Sox organization. Uh, this person who I'm talking about, who you don't know, uh, gets hired in in uh, in 1998 by the right. Yankees, uh, the premier franchise in all of baseball as an assistant general manager. And this person, when uh, upon being hired, by the Yankees in 1998, became the youngest assistant general manager in baseball uh, uh, on any team, Uh, right? So then this person, that you don't know who I'm talking about, uh, (laughs) went to the Dodgers, uh, served as a vice president of the Dodgers and assistant GM of the Dodgers at age like 33 or something, 32. Uh, In 2005, this person got interviewed for the Dodgers GM position and was passed over for the great Ned Coletti. <laughs> uh, who we all remember as uh, doing an amazing what, job and everything decision. incredible work <laughs> right so this person now is like 35 36 years old something like that has been in a, was the youngest assistant GM in baseball got interviewed for the job of the GM position for one of the premier franchises in the game and then 15 years went by and that person did not get hired as a yeah. GM not by the Mariners not by the Giants Not by the Padres, not by the Angels, not by the Dodgers, not by the Yankees. No team. After, for 15 years, this wunderkind uh, who rose up through the ranks incredibly quickly and got to the point where he or she was being interviewed for a GM position at age 35 by one of the great franchises in the sport, 15 years went by and that person was not given a shot. You would say to yourself, what the hell? Who? Why not? That's crazy. And what? What did this person do? Did this person get t two DUIs (laughs) over over a decade? Uh, Did this person did this person uh, you know uh, publicly support some kind of terrible (laughs) bill that made racial profiling legal? You would you would certainly think that this person had done something very bad. And what it turns out is. And we don't know whether Kim's uh, reign as the Marlins GM is going to be good or bad. They don't have any money. They're constantly dumping all their players, blah, 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 blah. Who knows? But the truth of the matter is the reason that 15 years went by and Kim didn't get a job, uh, the kind that she had interviewed for multiple times in multiple positions, is because she was a woman. And so now you get to this point where uh, that goes away, and it goes away annoyingly for us because of Derek Jeter. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which I really hate. I really hate how much I have to admire and respect Derek Jeter now, but that we'll hold that for later. That's a yes. later story. But but really what has happened, and the reason this has caused for such celebration, isn't just she's the first woman, she's the first Asian-American, she's the first Asian-American woman, any of that stuff. It's because she deserves the job. Absolutely. It's because a person, a person who did a good job at her job... And then was denied that job, uh, the the top job in an organization for almost two decades, got a job she deserves. And yeah. that anytime that happens, you just it's cause for celebration. That's
2: exactly right. Well, you know, look, I, I think this is an obvious piece of this, you know, but but not to be glossed over. She got to the Yankees in 98, they won 3 consecutive World Series. As in, when she was the right. assistant general manager, when yes, you're hiring yes. general managers, don't you look at the team that has won 3 in a row and said, I want somebody in that front office? I mean, that's that's how that works. You know what it reminds me of, at least at least somewhat. I mean, it is very different because look, she is the first woman hired in any sport to to run a team. Uh so this is, you know, this is a big this is a big deal, and I'm sure that there were steps that, you know, you know, things that people in their minds, they had to get over to make this happen and so on. We, we can get into all that if we want. But it reminds me of something that's not quite as, as true, but when Tony Dungy finally got hired by Tampa Bay, do you remember how many times... Tony Dungy interviewed for a job yeah. he interviewed like, you know, and everybody was like, Tony Dungy's awesome. He's so great. Okay. But he can't get a job. And they got interviewed and interviewed and interviewed and nobody would give him a job to the point where you were like, Okay, obviously, look, there, it was at a time where it was very, very difficult to become a head coach. He was not the first African-American head coach, but he was one of the first. And and he was – it was at a time when it was very difficult. You had to overcome a lot of things. And then Tampa Bay hired him, and then I remember thinking, well, maybe there's something wrong with Tony Dungy. You know, I mean, maybe there's something – I mean, it, it, look, at the end of the day, these teams are trying to win – Uh, you know, and, and nobody would hire him. And finally Tampa Bay hires him. And then you're like, oh, we'll see what he is. And then he's awesome. He's a great coach. He turns out to be a great coach and he wins at Tampa Bay. And then he goes to the Colts and wins Super Bowl, and does all the things. And he becomes like, not just a great coach, but a stalwart of the league. And, you know, however you feel about Tony Dungy, he became sort of a face of the NFL and they wouldn't hire him for years. I don't know if that's how it's going to work out for Kim, because as you say, uh, she faces, you know, all of the things that we knew about the Marlins before they hired her still true. They, they still are kind of a disaster yeah. of an organization. They still have no money. They still have, you know, all of these issues, but you know, that's the, the truth of the matter is you can't get hired for a good team, like like good, good teams. I mean, it's amazing. The the most amazing run and of course we've we've done entire podcasts entirely dedicated to him. But the most amazing run was Theo Epstein because he got that job just as that team was getting ready to get, you know, they were ready really really good and you know he did he did the final touches and all that. But you don't get jobs like that. Those jobs don't come open where like the team is great and they and they just, you know, are maybe one or two things away and you don't get those jobs. The truth of the matter is that you get jobs like the Marlins job. So I, you know, I can't tell you how much I'm rooting for her. I I think that that uh, she's, everything I know about her, I've, I've spoken with her on just a couple of occasions, but everything I know about her, she's awesome. There's not a single person I've ever met who doesn't think that she could have run a team 20 years ago or 15 years ago. So it's just it's just so positive and such good news. Because one thing that you and I have talked about in this podcast again and again is for all of these years, Major League Baseball and all the other sports who now have to look in the mirror and say, okay, what are we going to do here? All of these teams... Have been working at 50% capacity because they have never.
1: Isn't it amazing? It's it's
2: incredible. They're like, oh, we'll do anything to win. Yeah, except for hire people that don't quite fit in your mindset of what it's supposed to, you know, a a coach or a a GM are supposed to look like. And so.
1: This is the thing, honestly, that I've been the most obsessed with, right? Is like, look, 25 years ago, The money ball revolution starts in earnest and Billy bean starts finding market inefficiencies. And he finds guys who walk a lot or he finds, you know, club footed pitchers who have a low (laughs) uh, whip or whatever. And, and he manages on a shoestring budget to right. compete with teams with three times his payroll. And then the concept of exploiting market inefficiencies kind of spreads yes. throughout the league, right? And so and then you have the Red Sox and you have the even the Yankees with their gigantic payroll and the Dodgers and the Tampa Bay Rays right. and all these teams. They start to do the same thing, and they have these advanced metrics, and they have all this incredibly advanced science where they say, oh, this guy is actually worth 27 defensive runs saved over the course of blah, yes. blah, 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 blah and because of that the competition in the league is is enormous and the and the margins are tiny and you know uh, this the, you know everyone is looking for the tiniest edge in player evaluation meanwhile they are ignoring <laughs> 50% of the population <laughs> not as players obviously but in terms of their scouts and their gms and their assistant gms and their front offices and their and their everybody's They are not totally, but essentially ignoring the potential talent pool of tens of millions of people. And the idea that it took this long for anyone to say, hey, in a world where we're looking for market inefficiencies, how about opening the door to half of the population in terms of uh, running a team? And again, look, this this is the first domino to fall, and I hope that, I very much hope, that in five years or ten years, it's like, oh, there's eleven right. GMs right. In, in the game who were women, and there's six of them are East Asian and four of them are South Asian and whatever. That I hope that's what happens. What I what I fear is that, and this is the way this often goes for firsts, you know, for any minority group, any oppressed group that's or where there's a first person. You know the Marlins are on a knife's edge all yes. the time. They had a really good sixty-game season. They have some really young and exciting players. They have some really good pitching, but they also have a they have forty dollars to put their team together every year. <laughs> forty total dollars to divide among their twenty-five That's man correct. roster. And so I just hope that if the Marlins regress a little next year, or if she makes a trade or two that doesn't totally pan out, or whatever, I just you know the. Here's the last thing I'll say about this, as a way of explaining what I'm talking about. So you remember the movie Crazy Rich yes. Asians that came out a few years ago, right? So Crazy Rich Asians was directed by a guy named John Chu, and I don't know him, but you know he's a, he's a big director now. And uh, and so when they were shopping that movie around, the story that I heard from multiple people was they had every everybody made an offer, you know, every studio and everything, and and Netflix made a huge offer. And what they said, John Chu and the other, I think, people who were, you know, in charge of making the movie, what they said was basically, look, this is an all Asian cast. It's an Asian director, East Asian director, and it's for for many reasons, it's important to us that we. Are released in theaters in the way that movies have always been released in theaters, and we want to be the number one movie in the country the week that we're released because those are the kinds of things that matter. Like they they matter for history and they matter sure. for optics and all that sort of stuff. So so that's what they did, and and that's and and it worked. And they a movie came out, it was an enormous success. It's a really funny movie. They it was number one in the box office. It was a big deal, and that was a story that this was. You know, the first, yeah. essentially all East Asian cast and East Asian directed movie that was number one at the box office. But, and that's wonderful. But the thought that I had at the time was, uh, was that here, here's what real success looks like. Real success for the, specifically for the East Asian movie making community, doesn't just look like. We can make a movie with only East Asian actors and East Asian director and have it be number one at the box office. What it really looks like is that guy, John Chu, who, again, I don't know uh, but admire, uh, that that guy can make four movies in a row that stink and that totally flop. And a studio will still pay him to direct another movie, (laughs) because ultimately, that is the story of institutions like Major League Baseball and Hollywood and every place else that's been male-dominated for their entirety, Um, is what, what will really matter. And when you'll know that there's actual sort of gender parity within baseball is when someone like Kim can... Run four different teams and run them all into the ground, and be terrible at her job, and still get hired somewhere else. That's what. That's what. That's what the true measure of success will be. I think for women within baseball, and is that they get the same number of chances after stinking at their jobs that. NFL head coaches do that Emma other that Ned Coletti does <laughs> <laughs> that. all of those people who are who are mediocre that that's when there will be true parody. I think, is when it isn't like we're celebrating Kim and getting hired by the Marlins. It's when we're we don't even notice that a random woman X gets hired by the Milwaukee Brewers, even though she just left a disastrous <laughs> four year term running the, uh, you know, the Padres. That will be. That's what true parody looks like. I think.
2: No, that's right. Well, I I can't remember who it was. I don't know if it was Don Baylor or if it was actually the original Frank Robinson. But one of the early black managers said exactly that. Like it's like it it's not being the first black manager. It's being the first black manager that gets fired and hired again. Like that's that's when that's right. when you start seeing success. And I I think that's one hundred percent right. I you know I, I think we should we should say. I mean. GMs across baseball, especially these days, man, that is—it's high pressure, and it is—it is not. You're not long for this game very often. I mean, right. you're these right. guys just—they just get fired repeatedly. I mean, you know, they're, the the Angels just fired their GM and just just hired a new one. The Phillies did it again; they just hired a new GM and they just fired. I mean, you know, it's so high pressure, so. So you know what what's going to really frustrate the just and and you know it's coming. If the Marlins do struggle, you just hear the well that that didn't work. You know that 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 right. line of 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 thinking, that line of logic. I mean, we need to we need to kill that right now because that's just it's yeah. it's. The odds are against her. Let's just be perfectly honest. It's always against you. The odds are against the new GM in, with the Angels. I mean, that team has has had Mike Trout for eight years, and they've never done a thing. I mean, your odds are against you. You know, the odds are against you if you take that Phillies job. That that place is uh, is has been a, a you know a haunted house ever since they were were good in the late two thousands, and and the odds are really against you with the Marlins. They just are. So you know I, what I want to see is. And this is going to be interesting. Do you think she will come in and do things differently? Like follow the instincts that, that have gotten her here, which is an amazing place to be. She's, she's been a GM, uh, an assistant GM for a couple of the, of the biggest teams in baseball. And she's worked for major league baseball, which has given her really a nice wide view of the game. So do you think she's going to be able to go in and she seems everything about her is super confident and, and doesn't seem like she's, you know, she's, she's not, she's not celebrating, you know, she's like, okay, this is, let's get to work. Do you think she'll go in and do things differently? Or do you think it's so hard not to go in and feel pressure and just kind of try to play it safe? And, and I I don't know. I mean, what, based on what you see with that situation, what do you think, what do you think it's going to look like with her as GM?
1: I would hope and assume that she's going to go in and run that team exactly the way she thinks it should be run, no more, yeah. no less. She's not going to – I, again, I don't know her, obviously. I've never yeah. spoken to her. I only know about her as the person who, uh, in, in whatever it was, 1998, it was like, oh, my God, the Yankees hired a woman as an assistant <laughs> right. GM. That's cool. And then I've just seen her name floating around for years, and every three years some GM position would open up. And she would get an interview and you would be like, oh, that same woman is still trying to get a GM (laughs) job and the teams are still uninterested in giving it to her. And so I I can't imagine that after everything she's been through, that after getting the job she has has uh, you know has been has wanted for 20 years and deserves to have had for 20 years that she would suddenly start playing it safe i think she's going to get in there and do exactly what she thinks is the right thing to do in any given situation for a gm and i think that's what she should do like i don't see any reason to change now again she She's a University of Chicago graduate with 3 World right. Series rings as an assistant GM. Like I don't why why should she do anything? And by the way, again, this is what's so infuriating about this is that Derek Jeter is the one who hired her, which, again, really annoys me. But, like, Derek Jeter knew her because he was on those Yankee yes. teams and clearly has been, like, ad- and, like, admires her and thinks she's the right person for the job. Why would Derek Jeter tell her to do anything different? Now, will there be any kind of learning curve? Probably. Everybody who levels up has some kind of learning curve. But but I don't anticipate her pulling her punches at all. I think she's going to be the, the, you know... Everybody who works in as a sort of number in a number two capacity or an assistant capacity for as long as she has uh, has learned what she thinks is good about the people who do the job and what she thinks is bad. And your job, when you level up and get to that top line position, is to keep the things you think are good and st- not do the things you think were bad. And I'm sure that's I'm guessing that's what she'll do. Like I it, again, it's like there's no reason for her to approach her job any differently than anyone else has ever approached this job. You get into that position, you evaluate your team, you evaluate your resources, you look at the health of the club, you make deals, you sign contracts, you sign extensions, you cut people. It's a ruthless it job, and she's doing it, like you said, with with the team with the lowest payroll in baseball or, or close to it. Now, granted, a team with, some again, some good young talent and and potentially a bright future, but playing in a city where no one cares about the team in a in what will be year two of a pandemic i mean it's the 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 deck is stacked against her but like you said the deck is stacked against literally every gm except for brian cashman so (laughs) so and i and i guess whoever happens to be running the dodgers now that they now finally have the the monkey off their back although i would
2: say the stack the deck was somewhat stacked against you for different reasons with the dodgers but andrew friedman is he's pretty good at this. He's like, it seems like. He... Yeah. Andrew Freeman,
1: he went from being the, the guy who ran the team with the lowest or second lowest payroll to, a, to the team with yeah. the highest payroll. So he, when you, he, when he you take that, that acumen yeah. and apply it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, but, but <laughs> I works out better at the end. But what I think is great about this. I mean, look, you're right. She should have been hired, you know, obviously years, years ago, she's been interviewed many times, but I will say, I mean, and this is just, you know, I don't know specifically if this is the case with her, but with other people, I don't know, maybe if she's hired, then she doesn't, you know, she's, she's seen a lot. What this is what exactly what you say is what I want to see from her. And I believe we will. And that is go in your team. You take it over. You run it exactly the way you want to run it. You you're bold and you're courageous and, and you don't play it safe. Okay. Especially with the Marlins and I, Look, she's a, a, an unusual talent, so she might have been able to do that when she was thirty. But I would say that she probably has a better chance of doing it at fifty. You know, I just think you've seen you've seen how rare things are. You're you're obviously, uh, you know. I mean, l- let's face it. You can't. There's no way to deny or overlook the impact this is going to have. And my daughters are beside themselves with joy that that there's a woman running a baseball team. I mean, they it is the first time they like baseball, but now they see themselves in baseball in a different way. And right. and it's so great. So all of that is there and that's a lot. And I'm not saying she couldn't have handled it at 30 cuz she I um, she probably could have and she should have. But now that she's been through all of this and 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 interviewed so many times and and I just I'm really optimistic about her just going in and doing some things that uh, are going to be pretty exciting, I think. I'm really hopeful for that, you know?
3: Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login (laughs) for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle, and a great way to finally get your TV together. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Today's episode is sponsored by the NBA and their quest to advance the game of basketball, grow the community, and impact culture. The league celebrates its teams, players, and fans across the past, present, and future as part of its 75th anniversary season. That's Game highlights pivotal moments on court and beyond from iconic plays and arenas To the impact players have in the community that's the nba that's game like in the nba finals when the bucks had their backs against the wall drew holiday steals the ball pushes the break alley hoop to Giannis for an iconic slam seals game five and the eventual title that's the nba that's game this is more than just basketball it's what connects us all and keeps us coming back for more that's the nba that's game
1: I mean, again, the the world that she's in, and and this is why, um, th- this is why the the Tony LaRusa thing matters. <laughs> the world she's in is a world, and a in a, a corporation and a club, in which a hundred and thirty year old Jerry Colangelo can regret not hiring a hundred and fourteen year old Tony LaRusa seventy six years ago, and then when this kind of really great one of the, uh, wouldn't you agree? that coaching the White Sox in 2021 is one of the premier coaching opportunities in sports. No doubt about it. In, in, at least in baseball, right? No doubt right? about it. This super exciting team, super young, legitimate ace, five legitimate great hitters, and an exciting team, a team that could, could steal that city back from yeah. the Cubs with with how exciting and talented they are. The reigning AL MVP and Jose Abreu, one of the most fun players in the game in Tim Anderson, Aloy Jimenez, Joan Mancada, like they have this incredible roster. They're young and exciting, and 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 forward thinking and great. And uh, Colangelo hires Tony La Russa. <laughs> and that might blow up. You know that all of the news that's come out with Jeff Passan's reporting, and other people's reporting, that might blow up. They might have to cut I don't know. bait. on no, a, that's a before. really good
2: question. Do you think they will? I, if they they seem locked in on this terrible hire well
1: because it's this because it's this 50 year old like regret it's jerry colangelo this is rosebud for him like that's what's going on here he's this is like the end of citizen kane he has a chance to go before he dies he has a chance to go sled on rosebud one more time so of course he's locked into it but that but the point is is that like whether or not they cut bait, that is the world that Kim Eng is That's stepping right. into. It's the it's the it's this clubby, like leather chair, sipping brandy and smoking <laughs> cigars and talking about the game, kind of a world. And and they don't a lot of them don't want her there. That's why she kept interviewing and kept not getting the job. They were maybe it was lip service, or maybe they walked to the edge of the uh, you know walked a little bit out onto the ledge and then right. walked back and just couldn't get themselves to do it. But whatever the situation is, she is has a very high-powered position in a world that where Jerry Colangelo hires Tony La Russa to manage his team in 2021. So, you know, ag- again, deck stacked against her, but it, because of that, because of how stacked against her it really is, she should just go for it. She should do everything she wants to do in the same exact way that a man would do that <laughs> if, if given the job. Don't be, you know, you got to be political a little bit, I guess, but like, don't, don't, why pull your punches? Like, you got, you got your shot. Like, I, I assume and would, would hope that she's going to run the team exactly the way that she thinks the team should be run and make zero compromises for any other reason. Well,
2: and, and, and yes, I mean, look, I, I don't know her well enough to, to give her advice and, and wouldn't dare to do it anyway. She's a million times smarter than I am. Um, but, having watched a lot of people come in good people come into a gm job and sort of walk to the edge but but you know walk away with regrets when they get when they get let go walk away with regrets i should have pushed harder i should have done this i there were a couple of times that i you know walked to the edge of a deal and then backed away or or i you know let other people talk me into doing this and you know i i think for her, and 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 that's why I'm so excited about it, because I think with the journey she's on, I don't think she walks away with regrets. I think she's going to go out there and do it the way she wants to do it. And that's because I think that is a real uh, it's a real trap because I've seen it happen with general managers where, you know, right. they're they go in like, hey, I'm going to I'm going to do it. And then you know, everybody around you tells you, you can't do that. And, you know, your whole, you're not going to fire your whole staff and your, you know, your staff is, is used to doing it this way and they want to keep doing it this way. And, and, you know, you get tired of the fights and you're just like, oh, just fine. Let's do it that way. And then, you know, it's your head on the line eventually. And when you get let go, you just kind of, you know, that's, that's when you do, you know, Invite the sports writer out to a bar and just talk about all the things that you wish you had done, and <laughs> and I don't, you know, I mean, I don't like I say what's so exciting to me is everything I know about Kim uh, Kim Ng is that there's that will not be her that she will she will go in there and look I don't I also don't know what the I don't know what it's like to work for Derek Jeter. I don't know what it's like to work for that team. I mean, I don't know if they're gonna if they're gonna uh you know try to to be hands-on or or whatever the case may be. But I don't think she would have taken the job necessarily if that was the case. And uh and we should say something more. The Marlins put out a tweet today, you know, they did one of those how it started, how it where it is now, you know, that 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 sort of thing. Right. And the first one was a young Derek Jeter with a young Kimming. Uh, just after she got hired for the '98 Yankees, and then the second one was them hugging now. And dude, Derek Jeter, we we've, we we can't go enough on this podcast about how much we dislike Derek Jeter, dude. It almost brought me to tears. I mean, it was just it's, yeah. it Almost yeah. brought
1: me. To me too, tears. man. Wasn't it annoying? I was so annoyed. I was really annoyed. I'm so upset about this. Anyone but Jeter. And because now I have to, I have to like, I can't say anything bad about him for like years. That he he he's done the most progressive thing. It's the most progressive hire, probably, and this is saying something. It's in the class of Jackie Robinson and Frank Robinson's advancements for the game. Yes, it is. It is a it is a absolute glass ceiling shattering move. And obviously, I don't think it'll have the cultural impact nearly that Jackie Robinson did, or maybe that even Frank Robinson did. It's not the same thing. It's different. But but it is a barrier. It a a barrier has gone down. Um, and because of Derek Jeter, and man, is that so irritating? I really don't like it. I don't like how I feel. Now, the one thing I'll say about about the the bigger situation is that the Marlins, as a franchise and their fan base, whatever to whatever extent it has one, is so used to like low expectations yes. and and things getting blown up and destroyed and and players getting traded away. Uh, You know, it's in the last five years, it's been Stanton and Yelich and all like literally uh, (laughs) Real Muto and everybody. (laughs) So it, it may be the perfect scenario for her because if she can manage to just to like not piss off Miami as much as the previous owners and GMs have done, maybe it'll work out great. Like it might be like, oh my God, we had this good player. We didn't trade him. Like that's incredible. You know, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to look on the bright side of the whole thing because it's, um, because it has the potential to be, seismic and and in terms of the way that not just major league baseball front offices but sports front offices in general are run and that could be really well and
2: there is one other element to this but by the way before i get to the one other element to this i do want to point out you mentioned jt Muto. uh are you are you a little bit shocked that everybody's treating him like johnny bench as he becomes a free agent this year
1: it's a it's very weird. Weak yeah, I know,
2: but that's it's, so. It, it's a. Like, we- I mean, look, he's a good. He's a good player. I'm not saying he's not a good player, but he's not like they're like oh, 200 million for JT. Like, what are you talking about? Like, isn't he like? He's like just a good player. That's all he is. He's. I mean, he's. He's not a great player. I don't know. I, I he's one of the three best
1: free agents yeah. in this class. I, mean, well, I think it's like him and Turner and Well,
2: no, uh, no. Who I else? would say what well, you got you got Bauer, you got Springer, right, you got uh you got um I'm losing there are a couple of uh, pretty big ones um, well
1: he's top okay he's top five five he's top, five. top, 10, he's top five yeah and and because of the his position he he's a very it's like if you can add a good hitting catcher and by the way total side note to this side note did you see the rumors that the yankees are considering getting rid of gary sanchez i, I mean has anyone fallen has anyone fallen further in in history in in three years i mean he went from the Kraken and he's the future <laughs> of the franchise. And he hit, you know, he hit 20 home runs in his first 50 games yeah, or whatever yeah. it was. And now they're like, they're they're they might like non tender him for sake. Well, says. that's a it question. If you, if,
2: if you were running a club, if you were running the Red Sox, which you should be by the way, because they would still have Mookie, if you were running the Thank Red you. Sox, uh, would you sign him? Would you sign Gary Sanchez?
1: I mean, he's ARB two, I think, this year, right? So, uh, I mean, so that's there'll be some he, decent
2: money for ARB two player, and I mean. I don't know. He's he's what? He's an
1: eight or $10 million guy, right?
2: Yeah, probably 10 million bucks. You'd have to do it like on a one-year deal and kind of hope. But is he worth that? He is not.
1: I would take a flyer, take a flyer. on Gary that's Sanchez right. at eight million bucks to, to see if someone could fix his swing and, and he, make him dude, care he, about defense. Yeah.
2: He hit one forty seven. I mean, I realize it was I a know. partial year, but one you don't see numbers that low. Like that's that's an astonishingly known number. One forty seven. More than half of his hits though were extra base hits, so you gotta give him that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he had eight hits and five of them were extra base hits what put i was going to about say changes, though. put that
2: aside <laughs> put that aside what i was going to say about kimming uh is this there's another really cool element to this which is baseball look if anybody had said to me who's going to be the first woman running a club i would have said the nba right that's the first woman who's going to be a of coach to be in the nba so for baseball to jump in and sort of like, this is baseball's birthright is is breaking some glass ceilings, obviously, with Jackie. That's right. I I just think, you know, I mean, th- people are on baseball. It should have happened earlier. But, look, they were the ones that did it, and, and the Marlins are the ones that did it. And that made me feel good. That made me feel good for the sport. Maybe for the first time in quite a while, in fact.
1: I, I, I totally agree. Like, as defenders of the game, we haven't had a lot to crow right. about. Uh, in terms of its its you know its politics and its sort of place in society, this is something to legitimately crow about. Now, again, will there ever be ever 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 a female manager of a team? I would bet against it. At least in the next fifty years, I think there will be a uh, there will be an NBA coach who's a woman With, within first, the next if that within ever within the next happens. five
2: years. I think. Do yeah,
1: Yes, I think yes, I do. I think that I think that because of guys like Greg Popovich and Steve Kerr and and some other people who have advocated for that, I think that will happen and I think that it'll happen fairly soon. I can't imagine a a woman ever managing a baseball team. It's hard to imagine a woman ever coaching an NFL team. But again, that's this isn't a time for for sadness. This is a time for no, happiness but, and but celebration I, I think, because you're right. Think, there is a this is a big deal.
2: It is a big deal, but I think there's a good point though. I mean, Look, there are more women coaches in the NFL now than ever before, which is very exciting. And, and it's still a very small number, but you know, that number grows a little bit and grows a little bit. I feel like, um, in some ways, I feel like that is the sport where, uh, you know, not to, not to say that there are certain things that women do better than men or whatever, but you know, when you're an NFL coach, that more than baseball and more than the NBA you're more of a CEO than you are i mean obviously you coach some but i mean you're really organizing and 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 designing and i mean it's you're running a big operation um man i i i think in some ways i would not be surprised i look and we are potentially talking a while maybe not i mean this things can move fast too I would not be surprised if there was a woman coach in the NFL before there's a woman manager in baseball.
1: Interesting. Yeah, I would say there will definitely be a female coordinator, yeah. if that counts. Before there's a long before there's a coach. I, 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 it's very hard for me to imagine with all the machismo and all the garbage That's that the, the NFL deals with. I, it's hard to imagine a head coach in the NFL being a woman. But I would, I would. Uh, I, I think I would argue that there will be a coordinator, offensive or defensive coordinator, or at least like special teams coordinator or something at some point in the next, you know, decade, 20
2: years. Yeah. Like I, that. Well, and then of course, once you get there, you could, you could go to coach. I think this is the order and I would not have put this in the order. Obviously we got the first woman, uh, running a club in baseball, which is awesome for the sport and awesome for baseball. Uh, I think she's going to do a good job and I don't think she's going to be the last. I really, I mean, like, she's certainly not going to be the last, but I don't think she's even going to be the last in this cycle. I think that over the next five to 10 years, there will be other women who will, who will be GMs in baseball. I think, I hope, uh, I think there's going to be a coach, a woman coach in basketball pretty soon. Like, I think that you already, will start interviewing women for head coach for coaching jobs like now, like immediately. Yeah. So, yeah. so I think that could happen really soon. Like in the next five years, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. I do think that there are going to be more women coaches in the NFL. I don't know when we're going to see like a woman coach in baseball. Like I'd like, i like that feels to me like,
1: like a bench coach yeah, or, like a, a, bench coach or, or a third
2: base coach or, or anything like that. I, that, that feels to me like a like a uh, like a, a glad like a ceiling that's that's tough to break through. I I mean that that feels tougher to me uh, for some reason. I don't know why it is. It shouldn't be, but that to me feels like you're – I don't have any concept about what the role of women right now is in the NHL. I don't even know what that is. But but yeah, but either. that feels. Uh, it just feels to me like we could see some very sweet breakthroughs. Uh, and and I'm so surprised and so happy that baseball came first and that uh, Kim Ng is the new GM of the Marlins. It's just we have a team to root for now, dude. It's yeah. that's it. We got to root for Derek Jeter's Marlins. I got to root for Derek Jeter. <laughs> <laughs> What is
1: happening? I feel like maybe I brought this on by wearing the Jeter jersey for the fundraiser that I did. Maybe, that, maybe I'm, I'm somehow summoning Derek Jeter into my life. We have
2: not talked about this, uh, but uh, I don't think, on the podcast. But uh, So people will remember that you wore a Derek Jeter jersey, among other uh, humiliations. You ate fruit pie mm-hmm. and did various other things right. in order to raise money for... What were you raising money for? That was at that point, it was for...
1: It was the L.A. The Regional LA Food
2: Regional Bank. Regional Food Bank, exactly. Yeah. And uh, it was very awesome. During that time period, you you were having a real hard time finding a Derek Jeter jersey. And have we
1: not told this story? I don't believe yet? we've Can told <laughs> this
2: story. We've told the story about you having a hard time, but I don't know that we've told right. the full version of this story. So during that time period, I went out and got you. That was my, in addition to my donation to the L.A. Regional Food Bank, my other donation was getting you a Derek Jeter jersey. So
1: right, I, I well, I emailed you and said, "Listen, you're wired into <laughs> MLB. Could, you must have a way to do this because at the time that the the pandemic had just struck, right. everybody was in lockdown and." Nothing was available. Like, it was hard, you know, it, in, in it it was like, you're trying to order a Derek Jeter jersey online. And meanwhile, every <laughs> store online is like, we're trying to get people toilet paper and hand sanitizer, <laughs> That's
2: right. Man. Like, That's just right. Can you just get out of so the way? I, yeah.
1: Yeah. So I said, could you, maybe through the Hall of Fame or something, could you help me? And you said, sure, I'm on it. So then a couple months went by, and I said, hey, did you ever... Get uh, make any progress, and you were like, "Oh yeah, no it it should it should be there." Should have been there like a month ago, yeah, like a month (laughs) ago. And so I looked online. uh, You sent me the tracking number, I think. I looked online, and it said, "Oh no, you looked right," and it said to be delivered like June eighth, twenty twenty seven, or something. (laughs) It was like it was so far away. Yes. So. So then I was like, oh God, all right, fine. So I went on and I did a deep dive to a bunch of Yankee memorabilia store type places. I found one that could get me one within a week. So I bought it. It costs $139 and I bought it, showed it to my house. I do the stupid thing, uh, raise a bunch of money. That was the good part. That was the good part. And then uh, then throw the Derek Jeter jersey in a corner of my closet. Still not sure what I'm going to do with it. Then the P.S., is three months later, right? When was it? September? It was like three,
2: yeah, like in September.
1: Uh, I get a package in the mail. I open it. It's a second Derek <laughs> Jeter jersey that
2: you spent like
1: $100 on. That
2: I spent 138 bucks on, yeah, yeah, that
1: I bought so you. So n- I now, in my house, I now have two <laughs> Derek Jeter jerseys, and I had planned to do some kind of elaborate thing where I'll try to raise money some other way, maybe by you know, burning them in a garbage <laughs> can or something. But now I can't because he went nope. and did this good thing. And now I'm not only do I own two Derek Jeter jerseys, I can't like throw them in the garbage. <laughs> like I want to, I have to, to be respectful. And it just, the whole thing stinks.
2: The thing that's so incredible to me is I've, I'm have i trying to think like if, if they'd said to us, somebody had come on this podcast and they said, is there anything that Derek Jeter could do to get out of your doghouse? <laughs> we'd be like, no. They'd be like, well, right. what if he gave a million dollars to charity? He'd be like, a million dollars is nothing to him. What we, What do we care? What if he gave a hundred million? I don't care. He can't. There's no amount of money he can get that he can buy out no matter what he does.
1: But, I think I would have said like if he if if my if one of my children were were about to be eaten by a bear and he fought <laughs> off the bear or you know like it was something like that okay fine yes sure but uh, aside from that there was no way that I was no. coming up with a good answer and now he went and just did, he
2: did the good. one thing that he could do, <laughs> which leads right into our draft which we literally came up with uh, two seconds before we we uh, started this podcast.
0: Today's episode is sponsored by the NBA and their quest to advance the game of basketball, grow the community, and impact culture. The league celebrates its teams, players, and fans across the past, present, and future as part of the 75th anniversary season. That's Game highlights pivotal moments on court and beyond. From iconic plays in arenas to the impact players have in communities, that's the NBA. That's Game. It's like Game 5 of the NBA Finals where I was lucky enough to be there. Buck suns in Milwaukee. I'm sitting kitty-corner from Giannis Antetokounmpo as he rises up for that incredible alley-oop Drew Holiday having stolen the ball from Devin Booker on the other side, found Giannis in transition. Incredible stuff. That's the NBA. That's game. This is more than just basketball. It's what connects us all and keeps us coming back for more. That's the NBA. That's game.
3: Ready to take a trip? Hear about all the must-see places with Thrillist's new series, Get Out of Town. Brought to you by the City Advantage Platinum Select Card. Go from the East Coast to the West and everywhere in between. Like the best spot to grab a drink on the San Antonio Riverwalk. There's a million reasons to get out of town. The only hard part is choosing where to go first. Listen to Get Out of Town with Thrillist everywhere you get podcasts. Brought to you by the City Advantage Platinum Select Card.
2: Uh, We are going to draft teams that we like, even though we don't really know why. So, I mean everybody knows that Mike is a a, a Red Sox fan, a, a a Boston sports fan in general, Patriots fan, Celtics, uh, and also has as because of his son, took on a little bit of the Los Angeles thing, the Dodgers in particular. Everybody knows I grew up in Cleveland uh, and and uh, and and like the Cleveland teams, but also living in Kansas City for many years and have an affinity for the for the Kansas City team. So, those don't count. Those those don't count. What we're talking right. about here are, across sports, teams that we don't even understand why we like them, but we just kind of do. We just kind of like them. We just kind of root for them. And obviously, we know where it's going to start. So do you want to take the first pick, or, or should I? Sure.
1: I'll take the first pick. Yeah. Oh, the wait! Did I have it last? It doesn't matter. I think I you did, did so. have it last
2: time, but you can have it You're again. Right, go ahead.
1: Marlins. then you go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, you get the, first but
2: we're, pick then. the first pick is the Marlins. I mean, that's that's right. that's the whole point of this thing. So now I like the Marlins, and and I gotta say, even within the confines, like I would rate teams in you know they're probably more than three buckets, but three general buckets. One, like them, you know, have have, have a strong affinity for them. Two, really don't like them. Can't stand them. They're the worst. And three, don't care. Don't care at all. And I would say, interestingly for me, before this, the Marlins were not even in the don't care. They were in the don't like. I didn't like the Marlins. I mean, you know, I have a personal history. The Marlins, of course, beat Cleveland in the World Series in 97 in that very uh, sort of heartbreaking way. Uh, I don't like the way that team has been run. Uh, I don't like you know that they've sold off uh all of the things. I wasn't I mean of course I was happy when they beat the Yankees in the World Series, but I wasn't like it wasn't pure joy cuz I just don't like the Marlins. But now I do. Now I love yeah. them. I yeah. could not I am like I am totally in on the Marlins. I I'm I, all in,
1: man. Cisto, Cisto Sanchez. Let's do this.
2: <laughs> I'm so in. I think by the way that's why getting back to real Mudo uh the fact that they gave up Cisto for him, right. Didn't didn't, isn't that who they,
3: I believe so. I think yeah. that's who
2: they traded. So, so uh, maybe the Phillies will give him all that money. Cause they just, they can't cause Philly fans will just boo them to, to the, you know, to hell at that point, if they, <laughs> if they don't. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm into the Marlins now. It's I, this one. I can't explain. Obviously there's only one reason, but yeah, I'm a Marlins fan. Yeah. Full, full, full blown Marlins Ro- fan right for now. the Marlins. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely.
1: Um, all right. With my first pick, I'm taking the Phoenix Suns. Wow, uh, that's Phoenix an interesting Suns, one. Well, the Phoenix Suns just traded for Chris Paul, mm. which and about a hundred years ago on this very podcast uh you talked for uh, very eloquently for like 20 minutes about how you had a basketball crush on Chris Paul yes uh which came which comes back to me every time i see Chris Paul it was an excellent monologue now lost to history uh because <laughs> at the time we were recording the podcast on a reel to reel tape player and we lost all the we lost all the masters because it was so long ago but Chris Paul is the best Chris Paul's oh, hilarious he's well. ornery and 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 cruel to his teammates and he's <laughs> constantly barking at everybody and he's like thirty-six or thirty-five years old. But he's also just the most wonderful athlete. He just is like a delight oh. to watch. And yes. now and that Phoenix Suns team which went eight and zero in the bubble and which already were really exciting because of Devin Booker and Ayton and all those all these like super young guys They're this just lost team. They're playing in the middle of the desert in a town that doesn't care about basketball, really. Uh, And they now are going to have, like, a legit shot, I think, at making waves in the playoffs. Now, the West is really tough. You know, like, they they went 8-0 in the bubble, didn't even make the playoffs this year. And (laughs) So, like, I'm not saying, like, Chris Paul's going to win a ring. I'm just saying that I kind of like the team. I love Booker. Booker's, they now have, like, they have two guys on their team who are like five, six and are the best athletes on the floor. Whenever they're on the floor, that's going to be really fun. And watching him dish to Ayton and watching him dish to and finding now that Booker doesn't have to handle the ball ever. I kind of think this might be a really exciting and interesting team to watch. So I'm, I'm, I'm jumping on board the Phoenix suns bandwagon. I kind
2: of, I kind of dig. I kind of dig that now here's the question. The only question for me about Chris ball going there. Is that the end of Ricky Rubio in Phoenix? Is that like yeah? He is, went the other way in the deal. Oh, so he went the other day in the deal. Okay, yeah. So, yeah. Because I kind of, I kind of dug Ricky Rubio.
1: Oh, Rubio's great.
2: Yeah, it was a delight. But yeah, Chris Paul. Just watching Chris Paul dribble, I could just watch just that for hours. Like there's something about just the smooth way he moves and the smooth way he dribbles that just, I, I just think he's.
1: He just also has. He knows what is happening on the court he knows what everyone is doing all the everyone. time and what yes. and what they should be doing he's yeah. like him and rondo in the playoffs are the two guys who were like no you you're four feet that way you should be that way you come over here like they just they have such an understand a deep understanding it's a kind of athletic genius that even other athletic geniuses don't have it's that it's that whatever yeah, you right. want to call it that sort of awareness of the of the court that is just so delightful and
2: fun to watch He's so fun. He's so fun. I think that's a good pick. And you know what? I'm going to follow it up with my second pick. I'm going to go right to where you are because I have always had this weird like of the Arizona Cardinals. I don't – I have no idea why. I really don't. Now I know why because Kyler Murray is is an absurdity. He is just a pure – and simple absurdity. At a time when all quarterbacks in the NFL are unstoppable, right? There's like there's like literally no quarterback other than like Baker Mayfield most of the time these days. Uh there's no quarterback that doesn't throw for five hundred yards and, and four touchdowns every single game now. But Kyler Murray is I don't know, just cause he just is so he seems he seems so small, you know, he seems so little and he's just running around and I mean he is short. I mean he's five ten, but he has like this, this like super duper. He's like he's like supercharged fast. I'm sure that there are other quarterbacks or other players that are as fast as he is, but they don't look as fast because of the way that his is shaped and and all this. And I, he's just a, so much fun to watch. And of course, we just we were recording this the day after he hit the ridiculous hail mary uh, to be the, the hail mary where he was basically. The Murray, that's right. Yeah. Where he was basically <laughs> falling out of bounds, and he somehow threw the ball sixty yards in the air, and and uh, DeAndre Hopkins just went up and got it. It was it's delightful. I don't know why, but I've always kind of liked the Arizona Cardinals. So, uh, so that's gonna be my second pick. I'm gonna choose the. Cardinals. It was,
1: it's a good pick. It was they they were they were on my board. I, yes. I, I'm right with you. Uh, they have again. It's like they're playing in the middle of a desert. And they're kind of an afterthought. <laughs> and they made that one Super Bowl that they should have won, except for stupid Roethlisberger. Ugh. And uh, and uh, and now now there's like a legit reason, yes, to uh, to like them. Um, no, that's a good pick. My second pick, I'm going with the Padres. Ah, oh, that's uh, that a good pick. The Padres are, again, afterthought. Like, right. they, they're the least famous baseball team in their own state, <laughs> and there's like four of them. And yet, they're so fun. They're like a really fun team. They're as fun as... I, I would pick the White Sox here, except that I can't until they until they cut bait on La Russa. Yeah, they, <laughs> it's culture. over. It's over for them. They, they can't yeah. be That's it. Uh, but uh, Tatis is just a monster, and um, they they re-signed Clevenger. Although he has Tom, he's gonna have Tommy John, so he's gonna miss the whole year. So they probably won't. In all likelihood, they don't build on what they had this year. But maybe they will. Who they knows?
2: Because they're so young, you know. And... Yeah,
1: but I just I just like I like any team that is just mediocre and an afterthought for decades and decades and decades, and then suddenly just are like, wait a second, this team is really fun. They've got a bunch of really fun guys on their team, you know, uh, and, and they, I like also any team, part of this for me is in terms of the category of teams you like, and you don't, there's no real reason to it's teams are like with long droughts, long championship droughts. That's always a good one. Uh, The Padres have never won the (laughs) world series still. Um, But, but teams that like are, are afterthoughts in their own state, I think is like a good category. So, Besides just being fun to watch and having a lot of good young players, I just want, I want the Padres to like rise up and and uh, and be a force in California baseball.
2: Well, plus you're missing one of the key ingredients with the Padres, which is the uniform.
1: Oh, of course. Oh
2: my gosh, the brown! It's the greatest! It's the best uniform in sports right now.
1: Are we saying? Did I see that they're going back to those old? One's or am I making that up? No,
2: no, they are. They went back they this are, right? year yeah. to the brown yeah. and and they're. I mean, they don't. They're not. They don't wear it every game, which is oh, okay. You know, ridiculous. But but they wear it. You know, and then now it's a regular part of their rotation. And those brown uniforms. First of all, brown is just a is just a great uniform color. It's just so if used right. I mean, you know, I, I, I even being a Browns fan, I I can't tell you that the Browns always use brown the way they should. Um, but Padres. Oh man, that uniform rules, just rules. Oh, they're, that's just a great pick. Padres are just a joy, just an absolute joy. Um, I don't, I don't have a great reason for my third pick. I just, I just don't, I don't know why. Uh, maybe it's because of the city, because I like the city, but I, I always, I just kind of like the Portland Trailblazers. I, I, I don't really have a great i mean like i've always have like i like i've always kind of had like a uh like a little you know soft spot in my heart for the portland trailblazers maybe it's because again you know much like everybody else like they're 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 kind of an afterthought even though they've been good they're kind of an afterthought right and and they never win it's like you you can just at the beginning of the year you could just write it off they're, they're, they're just never going to win but it's like the, it's the only team in that really cool city and and they love them there, but they don't you know, they love them. But they're kind of like, eh, you know, it's never it's never really going to happen. Um, They're not. I don't I don't know that I love this. I do like Lillard, uh, Lillard a lot. I mean, I, I, I think. He's, yeah, of course. He's terrific. But I guy rules. He rules. But the rest of I mean, you know, McCollum's fine. I mean, they're they're. They're fine. I mean, they're they're fun to watch, but there's just something sort of bigger about the Portland Trailblazers uh, that I like, and uh, and so yeah, I kind of. Well, them. I think
1: I think you hit you hit it on the head. You undersold it, but two key things are one is. They have one of the most exciting players in the yes, game. Lillard, yes. Lillard is incredible. He's an incredible player. But two, and this is another important factor in the, I don't know really know why I like this team, but I do, they're the only team in the whole city, in any sport. Yes, that's and, right. And, that's, I, right. and that is a, that's a really big deal, because when you're the only team, it's like the weight of the entire region is on your shoulders. Yes. You know? And for that reason, my number three pick is the Bills. So... <laughs> The Ooh. Bills. Yeah, the Bills have been so bad for so long and so sad, and now they have the weirdest assemblage of talent. <laughs> it's so weird, that team. They have a white quarterback who had like a 48 year 48% completion percentage in college who now is like a legit MVP <laughs> candidate who it turns out is like the one of the best scrambling quarterbacks in the league it's ridiculous who, and yeah. is completing like 79% of his passes somehow <laughs> they have Stefan Diggs who's great they have uh they have these weird d- uh defensive players that like are this it's like a hodgepodge from other teams but their defense is somehow really good and they it's like it's it shouldn't be working but somehow it's working and I just I just know as maniac as Bill's fans are I just know how happy it would make all of upstate New York and a third of like Canada if they could (laughs) somehow legitimately like get back to a Super Bowl and win it they would just be it's a crazy long shot it probably won't happen the Chiefs are in the way and the Ravens are in the way and all these other Steelers. teams that are that are that are that are better yeah. are in the way, and the Steelers are in the way. Yeah, but I just—it's like the reason to root for a team that you don't really care about is because of how happy it would make. Oh. I saw the I saw the Patriots, my beloved New England Patriots, lose to the Eagles, and I wasn't sad at all. Now, granted, my <laughs> team had won eleven other Super Bowls in the last twelve years, but th- just because the Eagles Eagles fans were so long suffering and so miserable, and like at some point in your life as a sports fan, you switch from just being completely one, like tunnel visioned about your fandom to just understanding that, that like other groups of people need to celebrate sometimes. And And I, and it really would, the bills are like this weird Pet cause of mine that like now now that Brady's gone it doesn't none of this matters and I mean it never mattered, but it really doesn't matter (laughs) at all I really want the bills to like come out of the AFC somehow and like shock everybody I think that would be really fun
2: I I totally agree to the point where I'm going to even uh use my fourth pick uh to to feed off of you because one I love Buffalo I love Buffalo. I'm, you know, I mean, look, it's Buffalo is basically Cleveland with more snow. So it's, you know, it's, 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 uh, you know, I would feel close to it, but I just, I just, every time I go to Buffalo, I just feel, uh, I just feel at home. I love Buffalo. I love those people. They're, they, you know, as a, as a Clevelander, I feel like I can speak with some authority on what it's like to, to feel sports pain. And I gotta, I gotta say, I think Buffalo's had it even harder in some way. I mean, they never had LeBron, yeah. right? So, so you know, they the the Bills have just those four Super Bowls. That's crushing, you know. I mean, and, and four in a row. I mean, it's it was four <laughs> in a
1: row. <laughs>
2: it's, and then so then it's four in a row, and you know, and you, you you lose and and really, except for the one of them, you lose in an absurd heartbreak fashion where your guy misses the field goal at the end. But the other ones are kind of blowouts anyway. You're not really even in them. And you kind of, by the fourth one, you already know the result before the game even starts. And then the team becomes terrible, like not even going to make the playoffs terrible. And then they draft Josh Allen and everybody, everybody's like, you guys are going to be terrible for the next hundred years. <laughs> 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 that You just took Ryan leaf with the, with your pick and you are going to be terrible forever. And then it's like, no, Josh Allen is good. Like he's a good player. And he, I mean, I want it so badly for them. So with my fourth pick, I'm going to also choose a team. that I don't follow that closely because I don't follow the hockey that closely, but if if i had a team in hockey it would be the buffalo sabers i just i just want it for that city they have been terrible now for a, a decade the sabers have the sabers also had that stanley cup final that you might remember where they lost when they had that goal where they had the foot in the crease or whatever it was and like it was just a perfect buffalo heartbreak moment and yep. and and you know and now they're that team is terrible and they you know fire you know coaches every other week and and it's it's brutal And man, that city doesn't deserve that. It's hard to live in Buffalo. Like, like you go into Buffalo and say to people like, Hey man, what's it like living here? And like, it's, have you seen Buffalo winners? I mean, remember a couple years ago where, where literally people were opening the door of their house and it would just be a wall of snow in front of their door. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's tough. They deserve a winning sports team in Buffalo. So I am so with you on this and I'm gonna choose the sabres for my fourth pick.
1: Great pick. Great pick. Love it. Um uh my fourth pick is the Denver Nuggets. Oh, that's I interesting. Don't, I don't know why. Yeah I have no monologue for this. I haven't I, I don't I can't explain it. I just kinda like the Denver Nuggets. I kinda like I kind of like their this logo team or all or all time. No, I've always kind of liked them. I always kind of thought like because remember they w- there was a time when I was a kid when we were kids when I what's that guy's name who was running the team and they scored like 170 oh, points. Oh yeah, yeah.
2: When, the, when, the, when they had like <laughs> Kiki Vanderway and like Kiki all those Vanderway, <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. And and now this team with Jokic and Jamal Murray, I find them really fun. I like do too. I think they're a really fun team to watch. No, Jokic did that weird thing where. The pandemic hit, and everybody went away, and then he came back, and he would lost like a 100 pounds, and it was suddenly like really skinny, it, and he's like a absurdity. He's a slow, seven-foot, two-inch tall guy who's like the best passer in the league. He's just an amazingly fun guy to watch, and I've always kind of liked them, and I was kind of rooting for them this year, and I, I don't know anything about... Michael Malone, but I kind of like Michael Malone. Yeah. I, I, kinda, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of into it. I just like the Nuggets. They seem like nobody takes them seriously and they put on a really fun show, uh, in the playoffs this year. And, uh, I'm, I'm, I want them if the, if I want the, uh, the, uh, sons to make waves, I also want the Nuggets to make waves. I would love it if they, those two teams could, could improve next year. Yeah.
2: You know, the, the Nuggets, uh, Really are one of these bizarre teams that like you never—they're just—they're—they're they're a lot like the Suns and a lot like uh, Portland, and that's like you never really think they're gonna win it ever, No. ever. No. Like you know, and and they're like, oh, they have—they have a good team. They're not gonna win it. It's like every year. I mean, the, all those George Carl years where they were like, hey, they're good. They're not that good. They're never that good. You know, and and it just. They got Carmelo and it was like, "Oh, Carmelo's going to be and like, no, that's not. That's not going <laughs> to. That's not going to work out." And then uh, you know, Alex English was one of my favorite players when I was young. Remember Alex English? Of course. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It was I mean terrific. he Remember? was like,
1: uh what was the movie he was in? Um Oh,
2: that's right. He was he was was he in The Fish That Saved Pittsburgh? No, he was that was uh, Dr. Was
1: No, he was in the movie about like nuclear disarmament. Remember? It was <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy. What? Uh, hold on. I'm, you keep talking. I'm gonna look this up.
2: Yeah, I liked him uh, because wasn't Alex English the one that like he would like he literally he would like shoot a set shot. Like he wouldn't even take jump shots. He was just shooting shooting set shots. But you still couldn't block it. And that guy averaged like 30. That was back in the days when you could. Where lots of guys averaged like 30 points a game. But yeah. Alex English, it's, was,
1: it was amazing. Grace and Chuck. Oh, that's right, that? that's right. Yes, and he plays. He I think in the movie he's a Celtic. And he reads a story about a kid who uh, said he's not going to like go to school or something unless until all the nuclear bombs are gone. And then he's like, all right, I'm not going to play basketball either. And <laughs> and uh, and it's it, Alex English is like weirdly good in it. Like he's a really good actor. Yet another reason to love the Nuggets. How good <laughs> Alex English it. was in Amazing Grace and Shock in 1987.
2: <laughs> all right. With my fifth pick, I'm going to go back to baseball. Yeah. Um, I've always had, and and I wouldn't say always because there was a stretch of time where it was the popular thing to be, and I don't think I liked them during that time. But over the last twenty years or so, I've had a thing for the Seattle Mariners. I I just you know, of course, you got to, you got to. It's everything. It's Seattle, the town. It's the fact that they're never ever good. Like they're they always like kind of give you some hope, and then that doesn't work out and, and, you know, and they've they've had so many fun players. I mean, even since the Griffey days, I mean, Felix was just wonderful and Edgar was wonderful. And, and obviously Ishiro, he couldn't be more wonderful. And, and, you know, that team just felt, and I like Jerry Depoto a lot as, as the GM. I don't know if that's going to work out ever, but I, I like him a lot. So I like the Mariners, man. I don't know. I don't think I like this team particularly. I mean, I yeah, don't... it's
1: not like an amazing Mariners team right now. No, um, they have Kyle Lewis. That's pretty cool. Kyle but, Lewis is um, good. Right. Yeah. Right. Have you seen, have you watched the Dorktown series about the Mariners? No, I haven't. You know so SB Nation, John boys and, and a couple other people do this thing called Dorktown it's through SB Nation and they did like a 12 part documentary on the history of the Seattle Mariners and it's utterly delightful. It's so 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 wonderful. If you haven't watched it out there, you don't have to like the Mariners to like it. They're really really good. Um they tell like the entire history of the entire franchise and it's bananas. The it's really like one oh, of the weirdest it. franchises in sports. <laughs> but you got to love the Mariners. Any again, any team that's never won the World Series, you got to root for them. You the got to root World for them.
2: Exactly yeah. right. It's exactly right.
1: All right, my fifth pick is the weirdest pick I've ever made in any draft ever. Are you ready for this? <laughs> oh
2: boy, this is what's going to be.
1: It's the Winnipeg Jets. Yes! <laughs> so I don't have, I don't, I'm not a hockey guy. I never have been. Um, I don't know uh, anything about any of these teams. For all I know, the Winnipeg Jets are, are, are owned and operated by like Harvey Weinstein and Jeffrey Epstein. I don't, I don't, I don't know anything about them. So I apologize. If they're a terrible franchise, I apologize. But the story of the Winnipeg Jets is that they were, they were a World Hockey Association team in the 70s. And then they were absorbed, they actually were successful uh, and had a fan base, and they were absorbed into the NHL. And then uh, they, you know, because it's Winnipeg, they uh, in 1996 or something, you're seven. They disappear, and they're basically moved to Atlanta. Uh, or, or there's a there's a franchise a movement, and 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 the Atlanta Thrashers show That's up right, in, the the, thrashers. in the late night, right? Right. So then they Thrashers around for a few years, and then whatever, and then they. The, who cares about the Atlanta Thrashers? and they moved back to Winnipeg and so they've been back in Winnipeg since 2011 and the reason that I that I root for them uh, Even though I won't watch any hockey or really care is that <laughs> I just am so sad As a guy who grew up in Hartford, Connecticut The the whalers were all we had and the whalers left when I was a kid and they went to Carolina and they became the hurricanes and I just feel so bad for the Winnipeg Jets that they had this team, this World Hockey Association team, supported it like crazy. Then they got to the NHL, and everyone must have been thrilled. And then the indignity of that era of the NHL when, like, the North Stars move from Minnesota, where there should be a hockey team, to Dallas, where there should not be a hockey team. And our old friend Jerry Colangelo moves, uh, moves the Winnipeg Jets... To or uh, he moved some team to Phoenix, right? So that now there's a Phoenix. That's right. There's a team in Phoenix. There shouldn't be a hockey team in Phoenix. <laughs> there shouldn't be a hockey team in Atlanta. Really, there should be a hockey team in goddamn Winnipeg. That's where <laughs> that's where hockey teams belong. And so, so I'm like, it's so sad that they left, and then there's a team in Atlanta, and now it's so great that they're back. And I don't think they're any good or anything, but I love their logo. I love the fact that they are in Winnipeg. I just want like the. I just want places like Winnipeg that deserve um, to have hockey teams have hockey teams and I want them to succeed. And yeah. and so that for that reason, I, I, I root for all Canadian hockey teams, the Maple Leafs, the Canadians, the Nordiques, if they're still around <laughs> the, the Winnipeg Jets, the Edmonton Oilers, like that's where hockey should be played. And that is where hockey is appreciated. And so that's, so I'm rooting for the Winnipeg Jets. And, and by the way, their logo rules, their logo is a great, is a it's great, a like great weird logo. Yeah, there. In fact, there's a, a few of them. There's like a fighter jet one with over a maple leaf, which is cool. And then there's the kind of throwback with the weird font with the giant J that also looks great. And I and I I don't know. I'm a Winnipeg Jets fan. What can I tell you?
2: You think there are a lot of jets around Winnipeg? By the way, do you feel like that? That's like a, a logo. Why they put it?
1: It was like is that where the Canadian Air Force is headquartered is. or something? That, that I don't could know. Be.
2: Well, there's yeah. another reason to love the Winnipeg Jets, and and just as a general rule, and the other teams you mentioned. Because this is one of my big things. We've never talked about this in the podcast. We never talk about hockey. But one of my big things in sports, no Canadian team has won the Stanley Cup since 1993. That's insane. Right? When the Montreal Canadiens won in 1993. So in that time, teams in Tampa Bay, <laughs> teams in Dallas, teams in Anaheim. Tampa Bay's won twice, for crying out loud.
1: How about Los uh, Angeles?
2: Los Angeles and yeah. and Anaheim, both they both won. Uh, New Jersey, I mean, just ugh,
1: come, come on,
2: come on,
1: come on, Canada, come on. I mean,
2: <laughs> we don't care. I mean, that is the ultimate in American exceptionalism, right there. Like we don't even care. I mean, I'm sure in those cities they care. But we as a country don't care. Canada—that's all they care about. That's like yeah. it's like number one it's on their. It's such terrorist. a bummer.
1: It's such a bummer when the when the it gets down to like Tampa Bay and Dallas. <laughs> I but know the,
2: that's not that's I, not a hockey
1: situation. Know, These cities have no business having hockey in them.
2: You're in Calgary or or Winnipeg, and you're like. What is it? Of course, they're the ones still watching. They're still, of course, because everybody on the team is Canadian. But it's like it's Tampa
1: Bay and Dallas and Anaheim. And it's they're playing the Stanley Cup in June. It's like 94 (laughs) degrees outside. It's just ridiculous. It's an absurdity
2: it's absurdity give canada that's it that's my i mean i'm rooting for all canadian teams but i'll i'll start with winnipeg winnipeg's no good that's the let's make the
1: let's make the winnipeg jets the official hockey team of the podcast they
2: are the winnipeg jets have just been named (laughs) official hockey team of the podcast with the buffalo sabers look. is buffalo here's the question if buffalo finally won a stanley cup would that be a victory for canada it kind of would
1: they would claim it as a victory. It'd be like, when, I've mentioned this before, but when Ray Bork was, fi- was traded from the Bruins, uh, to the avalanche and they, they finally, he, they got him a Stanley cup. Then there were, there was a parade in Boston for, for a guy <laughs> who is now playing on the Colorado avalanche. It's just which, so, it's like, it would be that kind of a deal.
2: Which did remind me, I sent you this, uh, the story, uh, to both you and Brandon, uh, since we can wrap this up with Kim Ng, uh, when Kim Ng got hired, uh, One of the New Jersey papers, I think it was probably the Star Ledger, the Newark paper, but one of the New Jersey papers, the headline was something like, "Former Yankee GM and New and and New Jersey resident named, uh, you know, breaks breaks barrier as women GM." I love that stuff so Fantastic. much. I love oh, when the locals. It's the absolute best when you're just like, no, no, this is uh, you know what, what's the news here? You're in that newsroom. You're like, hey, the the Marlins just hired the first woman. Hey, is she from New Jersey? She is. She lived here for a little while. Run it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is sounding like my kind of story right there.
1: Find the oh, local angle, it. baby.
2: <laughs> it's what we do. All right, time for one last meaningless thing to end this meaningless thing. It's one last
0: meaningless thing To end this meaningless thing We talk about sports and we draft things we know Like how beaches are terrible places to go No hot fruit for Michael No Diet Coke for Joe The podcast whoa
2: It's one last wall. And uh, do you want to go first? Why don't you go first? Uh,
1: Yeah, uh, mine is actually related to sports, which is uh, there's a rumor that James Harden wants to go to the Nets. (laughs) And um, I I have to root for this now, because a team with James Harden, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant is just going to be the most wonderful. (laughs) My comment on it when I saw it, I tweeted this when I first saw it, I was like, can are they is the NBA going to let them somehow play with three basketballs because oh that's gosh, the only yes. possible way that they'll all be happy but regardless three true weirdos three deeply <laughs> weird people who are also three of the 10 best basketball players on the planet all on one team in Brooklyn, New York is just too is too wonderful to pass up. I think we have to root for this to happen, right?
2: It's like a, it's like a, a one of those old fashioned rock and roll super groups, right? It's like, like yes, a hundred percent. Like let's put the traveling Willburies together, and here they are. You know, we're gonna put uh, put all these people or or Asia. We're just gonna pick like this great right. guitarist or, and great this to we're go back
1: even further. It's Blind Faith, right? Blind it's, Faith, it's, exactly. <laughs> it's Eric Clapton and Steve Winwood and Ginger Baker and. <laughs> <laughs> like get the get the basis from the Jimi Hendrix experience in there if you want to. I don't know. Just, just yeah, throw them all together. And throw see them what
2: all happens. together. It's gonna be great. So yeah, oh, I love it. I love it so much. And and that's really good because man, that Nets team is like since they got to Brooklyn, they were weird in New Jersey, but since they got to Brooklyn, that is just the most bizarre team. Period. Right. By the way, were,
1: the that's the other that's the other crazy thing about. How about next year in the NBA, side note, is that the Raptors might have to play in New Jersey because because, because of Canadian uh, COVID restrictions. So you might have the Toronto, New Jersey Raptors, and then across the bridge there, you've got uh, Kyrie and Kevin Durant and James Harden playing for the Brooklyn Nets. Oh I mean, gosh. this is it's just wonderful. I can't it- wait to see what happens.
2: It's going to be so great. All right. My one last meaningless thing is truly, I think I've, I think I've nailed the meaninglessness of, of this one. Cause it is truly meaningless. So I, the only thing I do uh, in, in this time of COVID is I do play tennis. That is like the one thing that, that I do that I can leave the house and, and go out. And I've been playing a lot of tennis, which is great. When I play tennis, uh, I go, uh, I, 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 you know, go to the, to the tennis court and then I, I go to my trunk and I change shoes, put on my, my tennis shoes, go play tennis, come back, put my regular shoes back on and, and, and leave. That's very simple. A couple weeks ago, I go out to the tennis court to play some tennis. I change shoes. I put, you know, put on my tennis shoes. I go out to the court. I come back. There's one shoe, just one shoe in the car. And I, I'm looking around everywhere. Like, did it fall out? Like, I don't even know how it would fall out of the trunk. Did it fall out? Is it there's it's nowhere to be found. Just it's gone. I literally just lost a shoe. <laughs> it's just gone. <laughs> and this has been, I wouldn't say keeping me up at night, because there's plenty of other things that that are obviously keeping me up at night. But I have not stopped thinking about me losing that shoe. Uh, I mean, you know, they, they were old shoes. I don't, I don't particularly care about the shoe itself. I, I, I'm, I got new shoes or whatever. But uh, what happened? How did I lose that one <laughs> shoe? What is? It is like I, I am completely baffled. And I wish I had like a, a video camera following me around so that I could understand. So how you I put lost it in.
1: You shoe. put it in the car. And then when you definitely went...
2: was in the trunk, like I always do, just put it okay. in the trunk, put both shoes in the trunk of the car, shut the trunk, left, came back, one shoe. So, I, I, you know, I mean, I thought, OK, well, maybe it fell out and then somebody came by and picked up the one shoe. And like, why would they do that? Like, that makes no sense. And then... I'm
1: going to like, did a dog come by and grab it or something <laughs> maybe a like that?
2: <laughs> Man, it could be a dog, bizarre. a dog could have seen the shoe It is. Are really you bizarre. sure it, it didn't it is,
1: like accidentally fall into like the, the spare tire uh, area
2: well, I, or something? I, that was my thought too, and I did I went through every nook and cranny of that trunk It is gone, that shoe wow. is gone So yeah, so that's just one of these weird I don't know it, I, I thought, as soon as it happened, I thought, well that's meaningless It's pretty meaningless I, it, is, it, yeah. is, it is on my mind, it is definitely on my mind
1: <laughs> Congratulations on perfecting the art of the meaningless <laughs> thing that's really good
2: Kim Ng, is this the greatest what a time we live in Kim Ng yeah. is the is the general manager of the Marlins
1: congratulations Kim uh, enjoy one of the hardest jobs in sports I was gonna say
2: just <laughs> it's gonna be great two two pieces of advice one uh do it your way and two don't listen to talk radio. Just don't just, don't. I, you oh, know what God, yeah. I watched, uh, this could have been my meaningless thing too. I watched draft day. Have you ever seen draft day?
1: I've never seen it. No,
2: it is. It is truly horrible, but <laughs> I can't believe I haven't seen it before. Cause it's about the Browns. But one of the things in draft day, I, I will write a whole piece about my, my, uh, experience watching draft day. But one of the things about draft day is he listens to talk radio all the time. So he's listening to them, like rip him like constantly. And I know there are GMs out there that do that, that listen to talk radio and 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 sieve publicly, you know, privately, whatever, seethe. some probably call in to the shows, but they seethe. man, I cannot think of anything more self-destructive than that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's do a bad it. idea. That's also a big part of Friday Night Lights. The, the movie version, at least, is just the 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 way in which the opinions of the town and of the reporters and stuff are just like all over him, all over the coach of Permian. <laughs> uh edit. he can't go to the supermarket he can't go anywhere i mean again this will help i believe ms eng uh as she moves around uh miami because no one cares about the marlins so you won't, you'll never, <laughs> actually actually that's true
2: nobody will be talking about them on talk radio no one so. she can listen to
1: talk radio all she wants and she's never gonna hear anybody
2: it'll be, it'll be great she's listening to talk radio but people hate the dolphins here man that is really brutal all right mike well as always thank you
1: thanks for having me